this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast fifth generation telecom technology of 5g has been in the news lately spectrum that was recently auctioned to telecom firms for providing 5g services fetched the government about rupees 1.5 lakh crore Service provider Airtel has already unveiled services in eight cities. Reliance Jio promises to follow suit by Deepavali this year, even as it targets pan-India availability of 5G services by December 2023. Meanwhile, CDOT, or the Centre for Development of Telematics, has developed India's own 5G core. What does this mean to the local industry? Is it compatible with equipment from other global providers? Will it help save on foreign exchange outgo? Gartner analyst Pulkit Pandey, who covers business strategy for the telecom industry, including the 5G ecosystem and adoption of artificial intelligence, joins us today to help visualize the way forward. Hello and welcome, Pulkit. Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to spare time for us today. My pleasure. You know, given that um, there's been uh, so much noise around 5G as a technology, as a telecom technology, you know, much has been written about and spoken about. but you know i was particularly interested in understanding how india's homegrown technologies uh, seem to promise a lot and if i wanted to you know deep dive into some of these aspects i thought that would be of benefit to our uh, listeners the first of course i understand that you know when you refer to 5g you know homegrown technology 5g technology for india that would be the 5g core that the c dot cdot has come up with i wanted to understand what does this comprise and compared with 4g and earlier technology you know what need not be outsourced now i'm sure there are some aspects where we will still need to depend on gear providers like uh, ericsson and so forth but if the 5g core is ours then what else you know remains that is not yet ours but would have to depend on uh, providers so with 5g we have the ran we have the core and we have various different aspects of the infrastructure now you mentioned about the c dots you know 5g homegrown core that is a non standalone 5g core which is indeed homegrown by the the c dot and its 5g alliance now let me give you a very quick context of how the 5g is set up so we have two different aspects of 5g the first is standalone 5g and the second is non standalone 5g the non standalone 5g is usually working on an interchangeable basis based on the network availability it can switch bases the application that you might be using if it's data heavy you might be using 5g if it's not much data heavy you may be switched to 4g bases the the kind of application that you're using and the second is standalone 5g which just works on 5g 5g network availability now this core that has been homegrown is non standalone 5g and as we are given to understand there are some specific csps that are working on standalone 5g as well to your question this approach definitely gives us a step up for adoption of 5g and it definitely helps us eliminate at least one step for reliability on some foreign vendors however what we have to also see is that this homegrown 5g core has to be compatible with those vendors 
with whom we are working, with whom the CSPs are working with. For example, you mentioned various network infrastructure providers based out of the US, Europe, or you know the APAC regions as well. What needs to be made sure is that this 5G core is compatible with that. So far, as per my understanding, it is. Talking about the standalone 5G, so the CSPs who are trying to work in that space may need to also dwell upon that whether they want to use the 5G standalone core provided by those vendors or they want to work with an Indian vendor who is trying to get into that space. Okay, so just a quick, um, you know, question on the nomenclature. CSP would be communication service provider, like, you know, the service providers like Airtel, Geo, and Vodafone. Is that who you'd mean? Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So when you say uh, compatibility, so what parts of the 5G core, if, if, for example, if I'm a teller, you know, CSP and I adopt the 5G core that the C dot offers, okay, what parts of my uh, network infrastructure would be dependent on 5G because the 5G core has some components and what parts would actually, you know, I'd go out to the international vendor such as Ericsson and, you know, assuming that all of this is compatible and I'd say, okay, I out of these 10 parts, components that I require, five I've got and five I'll take from you international vendor. So can you elaborate a bit on that from the components of this technology? Sure. Usually when we're talking about 5G core, let's say for an example, you would want that it is compatible with the radio units, the data unit, the central unit that are being provided by the other vendors. This is how it usually works. I'll give you an example. So when we talk about Open RAN, which is Open Radio Access Network, we have seen two different sides of the coin. One is that it is going to be compatible with almost everything. And then the second is the stance that talks about that it can be very challenging for the CSPs and the vendors to manage various different vendors providing various different aspects and at the same time also taking care of the security of the network. Now, why I'm giving this example is that OpenRAN precisely helps in this particular scenario that we are discussing here. OpenRAN, as the name itself suggests, is a plug-and-play sort of solution. So you can have an open RAN software from one of the vendors, which has to be compatible with the core, with the central unit, with the DUs, with the baseband units. All those aspects have to be intercompatible and interconnected for the network to work. In a similar manner, the 5G core that we're talking about here has to be compatible with the radio units, the DUs, the central units, the baseband units, Whatever the, the CSPs, the communication service providers, the likes of Airtel, Geo, Vodafone Idea are using from different network equipment vendors such as Ericsson, Nokia, Samsung or any other particular vendor. So the compatibility has to be there in order for the success of this network. Also, as I mentioned, this network is more or less the non-standalone 5G network that we're talking about. Because the CDOT's 5G core is a NSA core, the non-standalone core. When a CSP is working on the standalone 5G, they will have to evaluate if they are going to use an already available 5G core from the vendors that we have just mentioned, or 
they want to partner with one of uh, you know one or more of these vendors to probably produce uh, you know a core that is homegrown so that is the difference okay so for the non standalone uh, technology that you mentioned so for most of our service providers have, has the testing been done and they're all set to go when you talked about compatibility you said in your view that there, there is compatibility but whether these have been tested and at a certain scale that you know and in a country like india offers so obviously the testing requirements may be far different from say a scandinavian country are we good to go on that front so we have seen uh, you know some tests being done by bsnl to just test the capability of cdots non standalone 5g core we are yet to see what do the the other communication service providers the likes of airtel reliance jio and vodafone idea have to mention about it however reliance jio also mentioned that they are currently focusing on standalone 5g so maybe they're going to take a different route as compared to the others but we are yet to see what those communication service providers have to say about the compatibility the overall compatibility of cdots non standalone 5g core with the the already existing you know radio units and different units that they have already purchased from different vendors okay so you know considering that these are newer technologies if a private uh, service provider like say atlantis or whoever says that i'd like to partner with uh, you know international vendors and see if i can uh, develop a quasi say homegrown solution that obviously takes time right i mean or is it like uh, you know some components are plug and play so in a matter of months you can actually have a homegrown solution or you know how do you see this going that's one part of my question and second is you know can you elaborate on this standalone versus non standalone so when i say standalone it means it's not backward compatible with 4g uh, equipment that is actually compatible with 4g how does that work so two parts to my question please so i'll set up some context bharat for your question let me give an example when i talk about non standalone 5g yes like you mentioned it's backward compatible with the existing 4g network or lte network as we call it now let's take for an example that you are viewing a video on your smartphone let's say on youtube so your phone will understand your network will understand that you require high bandwidth to view that video so it will be using the 5g network available but at the same time let's say you receive a notification of an email you just received you tap on that you switch to the email app and your phone and your network understands that you may not require that much bandwidth to just read through your mail so it will very seamlessly switch to the 4g network which will be enough for you to read through the mail and while you switch back to the video it will again switch to 5g it's basically usage based and it works seamlessly on the basis of what is the application that you're working on with that particular network if you require high bandwidth it will switch to 5g if you don't require that much bandwidth but still it will provide you a very seamless experience you will be switched to 4g as compared to that on a standalone 5g you're just working on a 5g network now for the initial period why non standalone 5g is being eyed by most of the communication service providers is that as i mentioned the experience is usually seamless for example if at your current location you have 5g 
well and good. But let's say you step out for to run some errands and 5G network may not be available there. You will be very seamlessly switched to the 4G network and you would still be able to do whatever you have to do with your smartphones or other equipments. Whereas if, let's say, you are using a non-sta a standalone 5G, you may not be able to utilize the full power of the network that you have. For a standalone 5G, usually the CSPs have to have a very dense network so that they can avoid these kind of network outages. This is something that we have seen in the western part of the world where communication service providers actually moved to standalone 5G at, they wanted to move to standalone 5G at a faster pace. They did that, but the number of call drops and network outages that happened increased because of this very reason that you need to have a very dense network so that the moment you leave the, the radius that is being covered by one particular base station, you are actually getting another signal for your 5G network. So this is why usually in the beginning stage, in the starting period, communication service providers tend to focus on non-standalone 5G. Once they have a view of the kind of data traffic they are receiving for different locations, then they usually plan out how their standalone 5G is going to be. Very insightful, uh, Pulkin. But um, is a standalone 5G even required even after your network becomes dense? Because as we progress from 2G to 3G to 4G, do the newer technologies have a standalone feature? Because after all, the migration of users happened. And as 4G became more dense and more people got onto 4G, the older technologies became less and less uh, widespread or rampant. So can't we live with that? So, you know, would it require a certain investment and what is a quantum that you'd imagine for a service provider for a pan-India standalone 5G technology network? Would that at all be necessary? Or if we didn't make those investments, then, you know, when the network density went up, the efficiency wouldn't be as much if we talked about a non-standalone. Is that the reason why you're talking about both these kinds now? When we talk about non-standalone 5G, we are usually working on a software upgradable 4G infrastructure. So the 4G LTE infrastructure that was already placed for the 4G network that is usually easily software upgradable and can be used for 5G purposes, like I mentioned, with a seamless switching, sort of, if I can say that. When we talk about standalone 5G, it requires investment, like you mentioned, and the investment is going to be, of course, very huge. At the current moment, when we are actually at the cusp of using 5G technology in India, for the initial period, of course, we can actually very well, you know, seamlessly switch between 4G and 5G. Thus, a non-standalone 5G approach makes a better way for the day-to-day -day usages of different consumers and industries as well. In some specific industry cases, we do see the requirement of only 5G network, in which cases they usually work with standalone 5G or private 5G, bases their requirements on some specific use cases. However, for the consumers, a non-standalone 5G approach makes more sense because it doesn't hamper your day-to-day -day activities while you can also have the best of both cases, the 4G and 5G. Yes, there are some speed limits, if I were to say that, 
with respect to the non-standalone and the standalone, we usually see, and this is just based on the examples that we have seen from the Western part of the world, the standalone 5G, of course, has better speed results. However, I would also like to emphasize that basis, the kinds of usages the consumers have, they may not require that much of, of a speed. So a seamless switching between the 4G and 5G network using a non-standalone 5G approach makes more sense for the Indian consumers. Okay. And to you know quickly touch upon an earlier question of mine, if uh, service providers were to work with international vendors for a standalone 5G network, you talked about the need for that as you know uh, things improved and density improved. Uh, it wouldn't require too much time, right? Because the West has already proven, uh, even though to their detriment, they went in too quickly for a standalone 5G network. It wouldn't take too much time if, uh, for instance, one of the service providers in India set their minds on it today. In about a year's time, uh, it should be possible to have a standalone uh, 5G network in place in about 12 months. With respect to the software requirements and those kinds of requirements, it is a bit easier and uh, I may not be able to give a specific timeline, but yes, it can be very quick for an Indian uh, CSP, communication service provider, to work with a Western network infrastructure provider. However, what is also to be taken care of is to have a dense network, like I mentioned. So the placement of radio units, the placement of base stations, and how dense the network is going to be, that is also something that the CSPs, the communication service providers, have to take care of. And in order to do that, they have to understand what sort of network demands are they receiving in different geographical locations. So to my point, it is easier with respect to timeline to get all the, the things in the back end to be done right. However, in order to understand what sort of demands the standalone 5G is going to have in different geographical locations, they need to do a very thorough study of different geographical locations and then understand if their base station placement, if their overall network density in those areas is enough to sustain that demand. Got it. So if um, the 5G core, let's look at only non-standalone for now, because that's where things seem to be over the next few months before uh, the network becomes widespread. Uh, if I just look at um, NSA alone, uh, if I have a pan-India network, and I understand no accurate figures are possible, but if you can help me understand an approximate figure or a thumb rule, what is the kind of investment savings that I as a service provider would be able to generate if I used uh, CDOT's 5G core and then looked at, uh, you know, gear or equipment that is compatible with this core from international vendors, you know, wh why would I choose CDOT in favor or, uh, you know, instead of uh, international vendors? One, of course, uh, you know, sense of belonging, of course, saying, hey, you know, our guys have done it at our backyard, so I'll go ahead and use it. Other than that, uh, is there a certain significant cost savings, which will say one Forex, uh, you know, outgo and so on and so forth? So the system that we currently have, the CDOT's NSA 5G core, the pricing of that is yet to be you know, announced and uh, it is not out there for the public. So we do not have a very detailed view into the pricing. However, going through the standards and what we have seen usually, this should be a bit less costly than what we than what the CSPs actually get from the international vendors. 
So until unless we have more details on the pricing, it would be a bit difficult to actually judge whether this is going to be a sustainable approach with respect to the pricing aspect. I understand. So if I move away from the technology itself and look at some use cases, uh, you know, whatever little reading that I was able to do, I saw some interesting use cases, uh, you know, that made 5G significantly better than use of 4G. For instance, you know, the people talked about autonomous driving, uh, you know, driverless cars, the uh, speed at which the, you know, intelligence unit in a car senses obstacles and the speed at which that piece of information comes back and for the processing unit to say, okay, you know, let's stop right away. Those kinds of things, 5G will make a world of difference and sort of help technology progress farther, uh, farther down that road. They've also talked about use of 5G in manufacturing where very uh, nuanced, but, you know, high speed manufacturing operations where quality control is always post facto. And, you know, they talked about blades inside of aeroplanes, for an example, aeroplane engines where, uh, you know, only after the manufacturing process is over, were they even able to check if quality was, uh, you know, met their standards. But with 5G, you can actually do it while work is in progress. So anything in, in the Indian context that, you know, that people like me can identify more with, anything that you think 5G will make possible that was even unthinkable with 4G. Like, for instance, uh, you know, uh, the consumption of videos, you know, 20 years ago, would nobody would have even thought about the success of, uh, you know, applications like YouTube and so on and so forth. But, you know, with progressive technology, there's also a convergence of stars, like smartphones were enabled and then technology on the spectrum front improved and, you know, network infrastructure investments. So a lot of convergence of stars. With 5G, how do you see this going forward? What use cases do you think will come about that were unthinkable with earlier generations? Let me start by giving the context of the industries and then I can dwell upon, you know, the industries to talk about the specific use cases. So like you mentioned, manufacturing is one of the biggest industries wherein we are seeing the highest amount of applications, POCs, trials, and actual deployments coming in for 5G use cases. This is, of course, followed by the media and content, because like you rightly mentioned, the consumption of not just videos, but gaming applications for the consumers, the OTT streamings, that has significantly increased, especially in the recent times, especially when most of the households have now access to broadbands, to fixed wireless access. So these demands have increased. For These are followed by industries such as healthcare, transportation and automotive industry wherein we are again seeing a huge demand and we see a lot of potential of 5G. But why? Well, one of the most significant difference that 5G brings, you know, as compared to its predecessors is, of course, there is, uh, you know, more bandwidth available, there, there is high speed available, but there is another aspect which usually, you know, we're not talking about much and it usually just hides behind the high speeds that 5G brings, which is the low latency. With 5G's low latency, that's actually the power that brings 5G to the forefront runner in some of the use cases. For example, you mentioned autonomous vehicles. 
The speed is definitely important, but what's more important for the success of such kind of a use case is the latency. To understand and to react for any obstacle that might be coming in the way as soon as possible, that is what brings the actual success of autonomous vehicles with 5G. Now, in Indian context, the highest demand that we are speculating should be with manufacturing industry. We have seen that 5G-enabled factories have already seen a gain in the productivity. Not only the productivity with respect to the different day-to-day activities, like you mentioned, inspection of products. Then we have the time taken for the overall production. There are possibilities for remotely producing things as well. So these are some of the, the capabilities that we are seeing being adopted with 5G in the manufacturing industry. For example, you can easily track the supply chain from one end to the other. You can make sure that you know the quality is assured throughout. You can very smartly do the surveillance of the overall manufacturing belt with not just image processing that was used till now with respect to 4G. You can actually take one step further to use 4K video monitoring. RPA can be applied very easily in, in such scenarios. Autonomous transportation, not only in for the consumer applications like we were discussing, autonomous transportations at manufacturing sites can actually also be a part of one of the use cases that we are seeing being tried and tested for 5G in manufacturing. So these are some of the use cases that we see with respect to manufacturing. Talking about the different aspects of media and contents. We have seen a surge in the demands and, you know, we have seen a surge in the adoption of the consumers focusing and actually using different OTT services, not just YouTube, but different, the spectrum of OTT services that are there out for for the consumers. That has definitely had a huge demand with respect to the bandwidth that people want. And that's the reason we have seen people have shifted from There was a time when we just used to have one or two Mbps and now we are actually talking about, you know, in the range of 300 to 400 to even 500 Mbps and we are moving to an era of, you know, even talking about broadband speeds in in the context of Gbps. So that's, that's the whole spectrum that we have seen and that too just in a matter of a few years. And the reason is such kind of demands that have come up from the consumers and from different industries. So that is also going to be one of the contributing factors for this kind of growth in the demand of 5G. The third aspect, which is actually very relevant in the current time, is the healthcare aspect. Now, the pre-pandemic times, we usually used to have the old school approach of going to the doctor, visiting their clinic physically, and you know, getting our checkups done and most of those things. But what the pandemic made us to and now that i hope it's safe to say that we are in the post pandemic era we are seeing that we are using the best practices of the digitalization that we saw in the pandemic times and we have seen the shift that we had to take with respect to especially for the healthcare sector wherein we saw the overall virtualization of of many aspects you know be it visiting the doctor be it the the preliminary tests being done, you know, with just a a tap on the button and, you know, you have the 
people come at your home, take your samples, and you have all the results on your mobile apps and things like that. So these are some of the things that will definitely increase. We have seen, you know, use of 5G for 4K video calling between the healthcare provider and the the patients. We have seen real-time patient monitoring being adopted in, in the healthcare industry. We have, although it's very niche, but we are also moving towards an era of remote surgery. We have a very few examples from parts of Europe wherein the specialized surgeon was at a different location and then through 4K video calling, they actually assessed in some surgeries that happened in, in you know, at, at a very distant location. So these are some of the examples with which we are seeing 5G take a lead over its predecessors and for good. Really? So... We'll have to remember, I'm no expert in this field, but if I just have to react very quickly to a couple of points you made, would I be accurate in inferring that the acceptance of 5G from a consumer perspective, if I look at a billion strong consumer base in India, uh, that would likely take a much longer time than say 4G happened. 4G took between two and three years for you know pan-India acceptance, you know, because the jumps in terms of what was possible with 4G and was not possible with 3G was very evident. And we talked about a lot of industrial uh, use cases, whereas what I see now, and obviously I'm unable to see several months or years ahead, I see that the value for a consumer is only incremental as of now. So do you think that for widespread acceptance of consume, by consumers for 5G would take some time, in which case the uh, average revenue per user that you know the three private service providers in India are banking on to increase in the near future that it also take its time coming? How do you see the future? So with respect to the consumer adoption, we will be seeing demands coming in from the broadband perspective, the fixed wireless access perspective with time. But when we talk about the consumer acceptance of 5G for their smartphones and for their different you know, electronic equipments, yes, it is going to take time. This is something that we have learned from various geographies where we have seen 5G being adopted, you know, years back. And the CSPs have banked upon the revenue, the incremental revenue that will be coming from the consumers. But the usual revenues for the initial periods is coming in from the industry players for enterprise 5G usages. For the consumer market, it is going to take time. And there are several reasons. For example, you just mentioned about the 4G acceptance. It has actually several reasons of that. The first is that India was one of the earlier, one of those countries that actually switched off 3G at a very early point. That is also a factor that, you know, we cannot just miss when we're talking about how fast the 4G acceptance was. In some cases it was, in some cases it had to be. However, there is another look to this particular situation, which is that we should also not forget that India is one of the the few countries that has the cheapest 5G models available when it comes to handsets as well. That could be a factor that can actually increase the 5G acceptance for the consumers because usually that we have seen is that it takes time with respect to these kinds of adoptions because 
these kinds of handsets are priced at a, a fairly well, uh, you know, bracket. But now we are seeing that we have within India 5G handsets available for as less as around 10,000 rupees, which is accessible to, if not all, to most of the consumers. So that is also a factor that is going to play a role when it comes to 5G adoption. However, it would be safe to assume that it is still going to take time, you know, in, in the line of a couple of years to see a very high 5G adoption with respect to the consumer side. So the incremental revenue, the initial revenues is going to come from two places. The first is going to be the consumer FWA, that is the broadband usages. And the second is going to be the enterprise application of 5G. The industries that I just mentioned, you know, manufacturing, transportation, automotive, healthcare, these are going to be some of the industries wherein the initial revenues is going to come from. Okay. So as we wind down this conversation, Pulkit, uh, the one question that I did want to dwell upon is, you know, 5G aiding or accelerating economic growth. And in the context of India, you know, we've had Mr. Ambani say, uh, talk about accelerating growth, uh, targeting by 2047. He talked about a $40 trillion economy and so on and so forth. But whatever the numbers be, how does adoption actually aid economic growth? I understand, you know, in the 90s when we talked about move from a wireline to wireless and with everybody having a phone on demand, literally, a SIM card that took only a, two, a couple of hours to activate versus a wait of one or two years for your wireline uh, implementation in the 70s and 80s. So it made people more efficient, right? Even a simple case of, you know, missing a meeting and having somebody wait there. Uh, you're able to call and say, you know what, I'm not coming now. Quickly reach the person. So that's just a very basic example, but it helped efficiencies grow. And likewise in industry and so on and so forth. But, you know, these are not terminologies that I'd heard of when we moved from 2G to 3G or 3G to 4G. But when it comes to 5G, people are talking about accelerated economic growth. Uh, do you believe that, you know, the aid to economic uh, growth acceleration would be significantly more for 5G versus 4G and any reasons you could give to your uh, line of thought? Well, one of the reasons for the overall economic growth that 5G will be giving was the reason that actually you just mentioned while you were asking the question, which is the growth of efficiency. That is one of the biggest factors that will aid to all the growths that 5G will bring with itself. I'll give you an example. When I was talking about the adoption of 5G in the manufacturing sector, I was talking about, you know, how we have seen the overall productivity increase. On the other hand, we've also seen that the quality assurance and all the related use cases were actually very easily implemented. And when we do so, you know, the, the things such as defect detection and those kinds of things also happen very quickly. When such things happen, there is more likely of a chance to make sure that whatever consignment you're working on is made up to the mark would be easily acceptable by the clients and thus reducing all the cost overheads that are going to come with time if let's say the overall quality assurance and the defect detection process had been slow. That's one for an example. Secondly, let's talk about the automotive sector. I know we are yet to get into the, the autonomous driving scenario uh, with respect to the, the application being widely accepted within the country. 
But let me just draw some parallels and give you an example. When we talk about, when we were talking about the autonomous guided vehicles, we were also talking about how the low latency actually aids to the success of that particular use case. We were discussing that how as fast as the vehicle can detect any sort of disruptions coming in the way, it can actually stop or it can actually switch its path in order to dodge that particular disruption. Such things actually add up to a very significant amount with respect to the savings that can be done for collision costs. It can save in your insurance amounts as well. So that is also an efficiency increase that we are seeing with respect to 5G. The third, for an example, you know, use of 5G along with artificial intelligence and machine learning. This is also something that we are seeing being adopted. How? I'll give you some examples. So the use of smart sensors and drones for traffic management, for police law enforcement, for uh, you know managing some distant areas to reduce wildfire risk, those kinds of applications also aid to cut the costs up to a significant bit and thus help the organizations and thus, you know, by the virtue of it, the economy to grow. Another example could be the healthcare sector, for an example, like I mentioned, uh, you know, remote patient monitoring. We had, you know, the pandemic and during the pandemic, one of the major challenges was the frontline workers were at a very high risk of catching the virus and all the things that, that can come with it. One of the applications that we saw within India was the application of robots for patient monitoring, you know, just, just for the day-to-day things, for example, to, to provide them with the basic necessities, to provide them with food. We had seen the application of robots being used for that. That's just one example. But to a greater extent, the low latency and the high speed of 5G helps with much more than just this one use case when it comes to healthcare sector as well. We also see how the customer-centric approaches being taken by a lot of retail players helps them to increase their business manifold with the customers. It can be through personalization. It can be through, uh, you know, location sensing. And all those factors come into play, as I mentioned, you know, with the combination of 5G and AI. So these are some of the examples how the overall adoption of 5G will aid in the increase of efficiency of businesses. And when it does that, it will, of course, impact the growth of revenue and by the virtue of it, the growth of Indian economy. Lovely. Uh, before we close the conversation, just an operational or a, rather a technical question. For the benefit of our listeners, can you elaborate on the difference between speed and latency? Latency is about, you know, refers to the delay that, that you feel when we speak about a specific technology. So I know these are related. Would you be able to elaborate how these are different? Sure. So when we talk about the bandwidth or the speed, it usually talks about how fast the data can be transferred in a particular amount of time. For example, when we talk about our fiber broadbands at home, we usually talk about that it gives 100 or 200 Mbps 
which is 100 megabytes per second. That is usually the bandwidth or the speed that we're talking about. When we talk about latency, it is the time it takes for the data to be transferred between the original source and destination. So how much time does it take for that transmission to happen? That is the latency. So with 5G, what we have is the best of both worlds. We have high speed or high bandwidth. At the same time, we have low latency. So we have high speeds for our day-to-day processes, but the time taken for data transfer is very low. Excellent. Thank you so much, uh, Pulkit. Your views were very insightful. We are coming to the end of our conversation, uh, running out of time currently. So lovely to have had you with us and really appreciate your being with us this morning to share your perspectives. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bharat, for the opportunity. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.